Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. Pastor Evan has been uh, leading us in a study of the book of Galatians under the title, Do You Want to Be Free? And I didn't know if you noticed it, but there's a little image there, and it's the image of a birdcage with the door opened. Have you noticed that? And on the bulletin this morning, it talks about eagles. Well, there's not an eagle in this type of birdcage, but the idea is we are free. We don't have to be caged up in our mistakes, in our sins, even in our own history, we can be free. And as we look at the book of Galatians, there are two portions that we're looking at. Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 say, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us, to open the birdcage, if you will, to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's how uh, this letter to the Galatians begins. And then it ends with Galatians 6.18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. So there's an amen at the beginning and an amen at the end. It's almost like, uh, like a, a shelf of books. And on the end, there's something to hold those books together. And that something is seen here, that amen, both in Galatians 1.5 and Galatians 6.18. And both of these talk about the grace of God, meaning God's love for you, unmerited love. We don't earn God's love. It's a gift. It's, it's a gracious gift. In fact, as we were singing, uh, some of what we sang had these words, uh, dealing with unchanging grace. That's what Galatians is all about. This letter to the churches in the area called Galatia, which is a province a Roman province in what is present-day Turkey. When we look at uh, this, have you ever wondered what amen means? We use it often. We use it often in worship. We use it often in our, in our own um, daily life. What's it mean? We're going to be looking at that, remembering that primarily the language of the Old Testament was Hebrew, and primarily the language of the New Testament was Greek. So when you read the scriptures, you probably read, how many read in English? How many read in Spanish? Or another language? I have good news for you. You not only know English, you know Hebrew and Greek. You're bilingual. Because amen is a transliteration of that word in both languages. So as we pray, 
we use the term, the word, amen, usually at the close of our prayer time. And as we think about that, uh, the next slide may be coming, maybe not. This is what it looks like. If you look like this, you'd, you'd slow down too. This is Hebrew. Hebrew, which is read, by the way, uh, from right to left, amen. Some pronounce it amen. It means to prop up or support. It's like you're holding a child to provide security. It can also mean to build up the way a worker might or an architect might. That's the basic meaning years and years ago of the word amen. And it came to mean true. Now you'll notice on, in your bulletin, there's an area there that says sermon notes. Have you ever used that area? It says sermon notes. If you wanted to make notes of this sermon, the first thing you'd want to write is a large T for true. You can see at the top of the sermon notes it says, Amen, Amen, Amen. That's a hint for you. There are three parts to this sermon. The first part focuses on a T, and that is, what is true? Some background for you. King David said that he was to be succeeded by his son Solomon. That's in the scriptures in the Old Testament. And here's what happened. Beniah, son of Joida, anybody want to pronounce those, let me know, <laughs> answered the king saying, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord and King, so ordain. This was an amen to what David felt God was calling him to do, God's son, or rather David's son, would become king. And it was like saying, when he said, Amen, this truly will happen. So the idea of Amen and the definition of true is, is clearly taught in the scriptures. There are other things that are taught too, such as in the New Testament. This is Greek. I told you you'd have two more languages. You had Hebrew, now it's Greek. Amen or Amen. And when we think of that, Jesus used this term in the records of the Gospels 30 times in Matthew, 13 times in Mark, 6 times in Luke, and 25 times in John. That's a lot. That's a lot. And when you think about Jesus in Amen, when he used them, They weren't at the, be at the end of a uh, prayer, as we hope to see, but at the beginning. There were special observations, special teachings that Jesus was giving as he taught. He, for instance, would say in a literal translation, Amen, I say to you. A translation would be truly, there's that T word, true, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That's how he used the term amen. Again, amen, amen, I tell you. And this double amen becomes truly, very truly, I tell you, 
Anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's how Jesus used the term, amen, different than what we might expect. Amen, I tell you. In other words, I am telling you the truth. Why did he do that? Because he was speaking to multitudes. He was speaking to crowds. And he wanted to get their attention. For instance, when you hear a sermon, does your mind ever wander? Is your mind wandering now? <laughs> I'll, I'll bring you back with an amen. And that's what Jesus did. He was saying, listen up. This is important. Amen. Or amen, amen. I want you to remember this. That was how Jesus used the term amen. So what? We've looked at this word and the first meaning with a T, true. I believe that every time we have a lesson or hear a sermon, the answer must come to the question, so what? It might be nice to know all this stuff, but so what? How does that apply to my life? And that's what we're going to look at now as we think of this first meaning. I ask you, is what you say to others true? Are you an amen person? Do you tell the truth to members of your family, to co-workers or students where you go to school? Do you say amen? Do you say the truth to relatives, to friends, to neighbors? Are you an amen person? Do you say what is true? And not only to others, but how about to yourselves? Do you tell yourself the truth? Do you say, for instance, the reality of God's grace, that's Galatians, God's grace, unmerited love for you, a gift to you? It's not something you earn. It's a gift. Do you remind yourself of that, even when you have made some mistakes? For instance, as we look at 1 John 1.9, we read, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to clean us up from all our wrongdoing. Amen, Amen is right. Do you tell yourself that? For that is the truth. That is what is true. That is the first meaning of amen. Are you an amen person when it comes to being true? So, if you're taking notes, the T stands for true. The second amen definition starts with an A. You can guess what it is, perhaps. As we look, we read what we read to the kids during the children's message. The whole idea of uh, they were worshiping and said, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love and his kindness go on forever. Then all the people said, amen. It was a way to say, we agree. We understand. It is what we have in common with you. They agreed. It was an amen that they said. And that's the second meaning of Amen.
500 years later than this, you come across a fellow named Nehemiah who became a leader in the nation of Israel after Israel was exiled, defeated in battle, and people were deported. Some came back. Nehemiah was among those. But he observed some unethical lending practices. And so, in Nehemiah 5, it says this. He was talking to those who were lenders. Immediately give back to them, meaning those who were cheated, their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the interest you are charging them. And they said, we will give it back. Then, Nehemiah writes, I summoned the priest and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. At this, the whole assembly said, Amen. Amen. They said, Amen. They agreed and praised the Lord. And, importantly, the people did as they had promised. They were making an agreement. And so, if you're taking notes, the A stands for agreement. The word Amen can refer to an agreement. We do that. Have you ever said, I'll say amen to that? That meant you agreed with somebody. You agreed with something that was said. I'll say amen to that. That was agreement. So the first uh, definition is what is true. The second is agreement. And something happened to the use of this word. It began to mean conclusion. So that when you look at the first four portions of the Psalms, Chapters 1 to 41, second part 42 to 72, third part 73 to 89, fourth part 90 to 106. Each of these end with amen and amen. It became, to say, uh, became a way to say, this is true. This is what I agree with. Uh, this is the end of this portion. And I totally agree with it. When you look at the gospel manuscripts, there's one particularly that the King James uh, Version followed where there's an amen as well. The amen at the end of Matthew, where Matthew writes what we call the Great Commission. And at the end of that, there's an amen. So what? What's that mean to how we live? What's that mean? to how we follow Christ. How about this second definition of amen? How do we apply it to our lives? I ask you, can you find points of agreement with others? I'd ask you, can you find points of disagreement? Uh, the answer is probably yes to that. But how about points to agreement? Those who have different viewpoints than you, who different politics than you, who have a different background with than you do, do you have agreement with them? Can you find areas where you agree? Reconciliation. Do you reconcile when there are differences? You probably know stories of family members or people at work or, or friends where there's disagreement. Sometimes over the silliest things. And if you ever talk to some people who haven't talked to their family members or friends or neighbors or coworkers, 
and ask them why, well, they might forget, but they know that they disagree. That's not the way to live as an amen person. And so I ask, are you an amen person when it comes to working toward agreement? Sometimes called reconciliation. Do you come to create common ground as a follower of Christ? So, what's true? An agreement, the next letter is a B. The third part of what amen means. And here we, we think about prayer. And as we do so, we think about what Jesus said. One of my favorite verses from Mark chapter 1, verse 24. I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's quite a promise. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So as you pray, do you envision the answer you're looking for, the hope that you have? Believe that you receive it. Some people might say, well, aren't there exceptions to that? Yeah, there are. For instance, uh, think of a young man whose birthday is coming up, maybe he's 12 or 13, and he's hoping for and praying for and believing for he'll have a racing motorcycle. That's right, I would sneeze at that too. And there are, there's a member of our congregation who would say motorcycles are a good idea. I won't mention Paul's name. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, but the point is, even if he believed it, there are times when what we believe isn't good for us isn't God's will, let alone somebody's parents. What about exceptions in your life? I told you that that, that verse from Mark uh, chapter 1, believe that you will receive it and you will have it, is something I lived by for a number of years. I'll tell you about one time. Uh, there was a time when I was a pastor, about 10 years, when I preached from a pulpit, not even a stool, by the way. And, and I felt God's call to use my interests and gifts in a different way. I became, I went, went to some classes, became a writer, producer, director. And there was a, a job opening that matched most of what I could do. And so that is the job I wanted. I prayed for it. I believed it would be mine. And it wasn't. Another person, an acquaintance of mine, applied for the job. And he needed the job more than I, and he had more of a technical understanding about video than I did. He needed security in his income. He needed health insurance. He needed support from colleagues. I had much of that in what I was doing. And God's will for me, God's plan for me, was to become a consultant to various Christian groups where I used God's call to be a video communicator, a visual communicator. As you can see on the screen, this is more 
visuals than you normally have seen in the sermon. But I tell you, Jesus said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you will receive it and it will be yours. Jesus did that. He did that as he fed thousands with just a few resources. He did that as he healed the sick. He did that as he forgave those who were caged in, if you will, by their past, by their sins. He did that when he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead after Lazarus was dead for four days. Jesus lived this, and he has taught us to live it too. Exceptions? There was for Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember? He said, let this cup pass from me. In other words, his death. He wanted to live just as we do. But he ended his prayer of belief saying, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's how it needs to be us too. Though we pray believing, we're an amen person in that regard, we don't always know how to pray. That's what Romans 8 teaches. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Have you ever prayed and sighed? You didn't know what was going on. You didn't know which way to turn. You didn't know what decisions to make. When that happens to you, remember God is sighing with you interceding on your behalf. That's important to remember as we think of true agreement and believe as definitions for amen. When we pray, our prayers are almost statements of belief. Another translation for amen is, so let it be. So as you pray, and as we pray as a congregation, we pray for God's plan to unfold in our life, God's will to be done in our life. Even though we may be myopic, nearsighted in what that is, we still pray with faith, believing, and say, so let it be. So let it be when it comes to health. Karen mentioned we were praying this week for a young lady in our congregation uh, who was facing a critical test. We prayed, and that test was miraculous. Uh, and that's happened more than once in our congregation. When we pray, so let it be. Let it be when it comes to relationships. Reconciliation, that whole idea. Let it be. Let it be when it comes to comfort. Jesus said, blessed are mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. When we pray for those grieving, we pray for their comfort. So, Lord, let it be. And how about opportunity? When one door closes, we've heard another door opens. Some have said, I'll take a window and crawl through it. Whatever it is, 
we pray for opportunity. And as we pray, we say to God, so let it be. I ask, are you an amen person when it comes to what you believe? So we've looked at the meanings of AN, the three meanings, the idea of what is true, what brings agreement or expresses agreement, what we believe. You might notice as you look at this, it, uh, it spells the word tab. Have you ever wondered if you ever remember any sermon? We don't remember many sermons. But you can remember a little bit about the meaning of amen. Because there's a tab on your computer when you're at the keyboard. There's a tab when you uh, go to a file folder, those of you who are still using paper. There's folders and computers, too. There's a tab when you uh, pull a beverage, open a beverage. Let these tabs remind you of the richness of the word amen. May you know what is true. May you work toward agreement. May you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we close, we look at the last book, book of Revelation, chapter 3. It says, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true, notice that word true, witness. This is a description of Jesus. Jesus is our Amen. Jesus is our Amen. And we think about that as we look at these tabs and think of what Jesus has done. His teachings are T, true. His death and resurrection seals God's promise for the forgiveness of sin, God's agreement. And he invites us to believe in him. T-A-B. May you be a tab person. May you be an amen person. And so I conclude by saying, amen? Amen. amen. Instead of closing in prayer, we're going to close in a song together. A song whose title appropriately has the word amen in it. Okay, you're invited to uh, join us. You will notice uh, the lyrics uh, when they appear in yellow or gold, are lyrics that you're going to be singing. And uh, Emily is going to be leading us as, uh, as we sing this. The lyrics are on the screen now, and you're invited to stand as we sing. Thanks for listening to the Baptist Church of Westchester podcast. If you have questions, want to connect, or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.